Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey everyone, Stephen Schleicher from Majorspoilers.com welcoming you to another installment of our Crisis on Infinite podcast. All those shows that you've never heard before, this is all brand new content. This is stuff that we record after the show that we never thought that we would use, but it turns out that now, to celebrate Major Spoiler's second birthday, now would be a good time to do it and throw it all out there, and there's actually some good conversation. Little did we know that when we talked to Rodrigo about LARPing, that he was into all sorts of games. So in this uh, installment from Earth-28, we take a listen as Rodrigo talks all about the fourth edition of Dungeons & Dragons. What's up? Have you played the new uh, fourth edition of Dungeons & Dragons? I have. I actually got a chance to play it recently. Fill me in, because I'm curious as to what the changes are and all that good stuff. Well, they've they've simplified it, and some would say they have, in fact, oversimplified it, and I would... To, to, to a good degree, agree with that. Have you gone through all the volumes? Have you gone through the one, two, three rules um, and all that? The I, I didn't. Somebody else ran it. I just uh, looked through the player's handbook. The, the mm-hmm. trinity of the Dungeons & Dragons is always the player's handbook, the monster, monster manual, manual, and the and Dungeon, Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah. Um, so I, I looked through the, through the player's guide to make my character, um, and... Uh, really, I mean, they have they've they've looked at video games, which is which is was a really smart idea, um, and they've looked at a lot of other stuff. They've taken out a lot of the complexity of the rules, um, and they've made it. They you know when when they were when first edition was first coming out, they were saying it's like, well, this is going to be a game that embraces D and D's roots, right? And people were like, no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, I felt like it's like, well, that's 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 a line. They're just telling us that to to bring in the old fogies who like second edition back. Right, right. Um, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I think that's the one that I started. When did second edition come out? I don't uh, remember. 84? No, the net. Well, maybe that would it, be the one that I played. It probably was. Cause yeah. you, uh, if you're talking AD&D, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, that's the second one. edition. Yeah, then, that's the one. Do you remember the word Thacko? Thacko is awesome! <laughs> if if you do... All I remember is Bill Willingham edition. did some awesome artwork in the pages of uh, of the, the monster manuals and the other tomes that came out during that time Thacko period. Thacko stands so. for to hit armor class zero. zero. There you go. Which okay. essentially means what you've got to roll and then modify it. But there comes a point where we, if you actually use your Thacko, there are people you can never hit. Mm-hmm. Excellent. It's it's awesome. Of course, that's, that's when you you die. So that that's gone away. Um, it, even in the previous edition, that had gone away. It's it's the D twenty system which Wizards of the Coast, I believe, put together, and then actually just. I mean, it's a, it's a free system that anybody can incorporate into right. the game. They open right. sourced it. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it. I, and what they were saying that it uh, embraces its roots is it does. It is in fact. You get to create a character and put him in a strategy war game, um, whereas in the past edition, characters' abilities were like you hit this guy or you hit this many people or you do more damage or you do this or you do that. A lot of the things that characters in fourth edition can do involve movement, mm. like 
you can hit this guy and shift over to another square. You can, you know, you have like your rogue, right? Who is, you know, um, he can hit for fifteen bajillion hit points, right. but he can't take a hit. And he might get an ability where you can hit a monster and then switch yourself with the party's tank. Oh, cool! You know, just kind of whoop. Yeah. Um, and that uh, is really fantastic. We j- just in that game had a lot of fun taking advantage of all the little things that characters can do and being very surprised because there's monsters who can negate that and you know oh, cool um so it was a good game a good campaign yeah then? it was it was fun the, how long the, did it take you the it was was it the uh was it was it the pre-made one it was not the pre-made one so it was something it, your it was actually funny because our, our, our dungeon master was just um he's just like yeah i'm just gonna run you through some encounters and i don't i don't really have an idea so i was sitting there and i was like well how about we got like accidentally teleported into this tree that is just gigantic oh yeah cool so like between me and this other guy and the dungeon master we kind of came up with the the basis of what the camp of what this campaign was going to be um it's just you know a bunch of people find themselves in this magic tree and now we're all trying to get out so we get attacked by like uh, tree spiders and there's a dragon that's made his lair in there and that's one thing that they were really plugging is more um, dragons yeah at first level you can fight a dragon you can fight a, yeah but a is dragon it like a dragon between... whelp or something or well, is it like a no they've actually you're talking a red dragon white there dragon are, there are as i understand it there are no like wormlings oh okay around i mean at first level you can fight a you know teenage you know by their own standards dragon right, right. but it's still a large creature i mean it, you're talking something that's the size of you How know a little points? bit bigger than a bear i <laughs> i couldn't tell you a, a ton because i hit it like 15 times oh okay um and, you still and, and it wasn't it? and it wasn't going down but um well yeah if you keep rolling our one every time yeah that's that <laughs> I, I just kept uh crit failing against it um but again you know that look at video games the character i was playing and the character I was playing was a um, essentially a tanker, mm-hmm. um, and it actually <laughs> what's his name Biff McShankstake? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, it was a hit pointer hit pointer Mac sword. Um, Biff McFagabeefy. <laughs> yeah. So um, it actually at first level you get a taunt ability. Oh really? You get huh. you get an ability of I hit this guy. And if he goes to hit somebody else, I get to hit him again. So, you know, th- there's that idea of you get in your squishy characters who can deal a lot of damage close to the bad guy. And then you have your guy who keeps the bad guy from killing them. Ah, I see. Or, or the, whatever you're yeah, fighting. Yeah, because he's got the taunt. Right. Oh, that's cool. Now, is there still a... I remember the few games that I played, again, long ago, you had to do a lot of paperwork. Is there still a lot of paperwork involved? Probably less. They have they have simplified a lot of that. They've but they've changed a lot of that. I mean, they you know for everything for every complicated rule that they eliminate, they create another complicated rule mm-hmm. because it's because it's cool. And um, actually, this this game this other game that I play called Exalted kind of did that. They had kind of finally gotten to the point where they had trimmed the system, and then somebody came up with this awesome idea of how to do sort of initiative in combat, and it just kind of screwed everything up for mm-hmm. the second edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are were still kind of dealing with that. So are you able then to take a version three character and bring it into a version four game, or do you have to re-roll... I mean, again, you'd, I'm you'd coming have from to. World of Warcraft where, you know, I want to hit level 70 before Wrath of the Lich King comes out so my level 70 can go and play mm-hmm. in that new game. But at the same time, if I only have a level 40, they could also play in that 
third version of of World of Warcraft. Well, and it it kind of depends because, um, for example, a lot of the character races, like what you would uh, like the standard races, right. um, dwarves, elves, humans, they're still around. But a couple got taken out of the player's handbook, and I'm sure they'll show up later. Um, gnomes, not in, not a readily available race. Yay. Um, inserted have been the Dragonborn, who because like everybody in men. third edition always wanted to play a half dragon mm-hmm. of some sort. So they're just like, okay, we'll just give you a starting race that is a, a dragon, essentially. Um, the Eladrin, who are like fancy elves and they basically spit split elves between you know fancy magic elves and you know the creepy elves that live in the woods they're still beautiful sounds and stuff just like, like that. world of warcraft you've got the the night elves and the in the blood and, elves and and that's a lot of people are complaining about that really? a lot of people are saying you know it's like stop trying to make my D like world of warcraft and not having played world of warcraft i don't really care you really and need to play never world. If, if you never like having played dragons. an elf i also don't care but if you like Dungeons and Dragons, I think you would really like World of Warcraft. See, the, the thing and is, I can give you a 15 day free trial. Ooh. See, the thing is, for me, fantasy video games are so tired. Like, I just, you know, I want something different. I play Dungeons and Dragons, and that's where I get my fantasy. I play Exalted, I get some of that too. Um, and that's that's kind of the reason why I play City of Heroes. And I look at stuff like that's coming out, like uh, Warhammer and Age of Conan and stuff like right. that. And I'm like, uh, you know what? No, I I, I want to play something different. Matthew, when was the last time you D&D'd? Uh, or a and d Was it in January? college? My problem has always been, I, I was in around this spring of 3.5, and I couldn't get shit done. I was trying to play a mage, and I was just trying to play a guy who had powers, and they kept saying, well, if you do these three special abilities, then you can build up to this special crafting power and mm-hmm. do all that. And I'm like, I don't want to plan. Sounds like World of Warcraft. I want to snap my fingers but, and blow shit up. I don't want to plan. And here's the thing, though, Stephen. World of Warcraft I know, comes takes from a lot D&D. from Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I no, mean, so I, does and Final I know what, Fantasy and, and all and the and other here's, battle here's the games. Thing. That 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 Matthew's saying, and, and part of the problem with D and D is the people who play D and D a lot of the time. I, uh-huh. I remember I remember reading a lot of posts on just message boards where somebody is like, "Well, it, like people are just ranting about what a crappy game D and D was and how it's like immature and stuff like that." And then we're like, "Okay, why are you saying that?" And it's like, "Well, I tried to give it a chance," and then my friends were like, "Well, if you're gonna play a ranger, you really need a sword, you know, a big sword on one hand and a small sword on the other hand. You, you know, this quarter staff thing is not gonna work. It's not gonna be optimum and blah blah blah." And I'm like. I kept telling him, dude, that's not the game. That's yeah, the players. You yeah. can play with play a quarter staff yeah. and you can get along and that's fine. And you don't have to plan that hard. You really don't. But, you know, when you have your guy, that, that one guy in your group, and especially if that guy is the game master, and he has 15 bajillion books and he has thought yeah. up the absolute maximum efficiency build and he mm. will not let you not take it and he is gearing all the monsters against somebody who can, who has one that hit build. point yeah. and can deal 50,000 hit points as opposed to a guy who has 40 and 40. Right. Um, you know, it it can be problematic and people get upset about that. And what you yeah. need to do in any game is get your crew together and figure out what kind of game you want to play. If all exactly. you want to do is play this 
horrifying game in which you all have one hit point and the next monster that shows up might just slaughter you all and that's the excitement of it that's cool if you want to play a game where there are no monsters and you guys just talk to npcs and try to convince them to do crap that's fine if you want a game in which you are a god king of awesome you start out at level you start (laughs) out that's my real life (laughs) so steven probably wouldn't want to play that since he can in fact pick up a buick and uh, throw it at anybody he wants and actually hit six people who are not even adjacent to each other. (laughs) See, NPCs, watch out. (laughs) So, you you know, as a gamer, you have to figure out what the... As a game master, you have to figure out what the players want. And as a player, you have to figure out what the game master is trying to get at. Because you can't build your awesome, you know... Vampire the Masquerade <laughs> character. If all your game master is going is doing is just looking through the monster manual and seeing, okay, my guys are level three. How many giant lizard folk can I throw at them? Do you ever get a game yeah. master that really thinks things out and saying, okay, instead of just saying, okay, this corner you find a dragon. Now around this corner you find a dragon. Now right, do you get do you actually get game masters? Or have you ever had game masters? And Matthew, this is the same for you too. Have you ever had mm-hmm. game masters that really sat down and said, okay? In this environment, mm-hmm. uh-huh. the chances of meeting, I don't know, a werebear, uh, you know, they have a range of 50 miles and All they're right. territorial, so you're only probably going to encounter one werebear here. But mm-hmm. you might encounter 10 carrion crawlers. Right. You know, do right. you ever have a game master well, that really goes into that detail and just doesn't say, oh, yeah. okay, you decided to spec your guy out like this, so I'm finding every monster that can defeat your spec, oh, and yeah. there you go. No, and that sucks. With the game master, when, when it turns into players versus the game master, it's terrible. What you're, what you're saying is a good idea, but it can actually be problematic. I think the best kind of game master is the one that sa- that tells a story mm-hmm. even if it is a story in which that is told through a series of fights right um yeah. you know what is the appropriate monster to have in this fight if this was a book and i was reading through all these fights where's the twist i expect to meet this kind of monster you know i expect i got to the end and there's supposed to be this giant spider but instead i encountered ten thousand tiny spiders right you know right. i mean that's that's what you're that's what a good game master does i think mm-hmm my three, uh, really, I, I have three pinnacle experiences that I think about when I think about best D&D experiences, and they are all radically different. And the first one was in high school. I had a friend who did what Stephen did. I mean, he what you were saying, he planned everything. He had his entire encounter universe locked down. And it was it, it, the example that I use is it's like Grand Theft Auto. Wherever you went, you mm-hmm. had interactivity, and he knew what was going to happen. And that, I mean, that was awesome. And then there was, of course, I don't know if uh, you ever played in college, Tom Boaz wrote stories. You told him what your character was and what you would do, and Tom would put together these stories, and your characters would interact, and it would be like, it would be like a movie, or it would be like a novel where these things would happen around you and your characters would interact. He wouldn't necessarily always know what was going to happen down to the lock, oh, okay. but mm-hmm. he had a lot of room for improvisation both on your part and on theirs. Well, and that's, that's what I'm saying, too. You know, if, there was, if they're walking through a forest and you know in this forest it's 50 miles across, there's only a, uh, you know, you're only going to encounter the were, one werebear max. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to say that you are going to encounter it, but if I rolled right. and said you encountered a monster, what, you know there's a slim chance that it might be the werebear. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think my third and maybe even my favorite experience was my friend Sam. 
And Sam didn't have any books. Sam set you down, said, who are you and what do you do? You told him what he did, what you do and who you are, and he helped you work it out and put it down on paper on a character sheet. And I remember to this day the first words of the first session we had. There were six of us sitting in a corner, and Sam stood up, and Sam was like six foot eight, and he said in this boomy voice, All right, you're walking down a road, you see a sign that says hell. And Elvis <laughs> and Beetlejuice come out of nowhere and start attacking you. <laughs> and it was psychotic and it was awesome. There were and there were rules, but the main rule was don't take the rules too seriously. Yeah. And it was one of those things where sometimes you just want to blow some shit up. You want to wiggle your fingers and set things on fire. And Sam really had a knack for just the ridiculous. One of his NPC characters was a, an elf named Freddie Keebler. Nice. <laughs> who uh, got thrown out of the, the uh, Keebler cookie factory for killing people. But, I mean, it was just one of those moments where it was literally just stringing together uh, ridiculous pop culture things and saying, you know, uh, who can be more clever in how we blow this crap up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I, it, I, I mentioned previously that I didn't get to play too much when I was younger because there wasn't anybody really around who understood how the game worked. Everybody else was more into sports. You, were you had no friends. Well, that was part of the problem, too. But right. I do remember always, again, I'd go to the bookstore, and they had the section in the back that was all D&D stuff. And I would buy the monster manuals because I love the art, mm -hmm. and I love going through stuff, and I'd buy some of the other things. Uh, but I, you know, I did that for more reference and reading and that kind of stuff. Um, but I also noticed that they used to have all these prepackaged campaigns. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever played any of those prepackaged campaigns? I played a prepackaged Shadowrun campaign that somebody ran, and Shadowrun is sort of like uh, basically the 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 point of Shadowrun is is it's cyberpunk with magic. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, so and you know those those are cool, although you know it, it has you you need a special kind of game master who will like read it well and mm -hmm. he'll dis make the make the right decisions. But the way I've always I've always run my games. Um, I just, you know, write some notes because, you know, the players are just totally going to throw you a curveball at some point. Right. And yeah. no prepackaged adventure. You know, they, they have suggestions, but unless you're on your toes, then your players are just going to be like, actually, right. you know, this mystery doesn't interest me. I'm just going to take this magic shotgun you just gave me and try it out for 20 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> at, at one point, we had a character who didn't care. He didn't want to play. He'd had a bad week. And they're like, okay, roll for initiative. What are you going to do? I'm going to drink heavily. <laughs> so the running gag became that his character sat there drinking while the rest of the group had this huge tavern fight. Finally, you know, took out everybody in the tavern. And he's sitting at the end of the bar. He's like, dude, I saved you drinks. <laughs> and it was, it was just an awesome moment to imagine him, you know, ducking, flying people and trying not to spill his beer. Interesting. But it was the pre-gen adventures are good if you have an inexperienced group and uh, mm -hmm. to some degree a less experienced DM or, or you know game master, whatever you want to call it. Right. Because the pre-gens give you that framework and then you can hang your group's interaction on that framework to where you don't have to worry so much about the mechanics of what is this city? What's going to happen? What happens if they do this? What happens if they don't do this? Where's my adventure hook? Right. You know, you've got all that put together so your guys can actually go in and if they're into role playing, they can role play. And if they're into, you know, 
hacking stuff up, they can hack stuff up. And and in my group, and probably in most groups, you have at least one guy who's really into the mechanics, mm-hmm. and he'll exp- you know if if your group works well. You'll have that guy who's really into the mechanics, that guy who's You're- really into role playing, and that guy who just wants to hang out with the rest of you. Yeah. And the right. mechanics guy can explain things to him, and the role playing guy can kind of coach the other guy, and then you'll get a cool game out of it. When you guys play, do you round robin it? So, like, next week you'll be the dungeon master, and then next week Matthew will be the dungeon master, and then not- next week it'll be my turn to be dungeon master? Or is there not one within- person in your group that's always the dungeon master? Not not within the same campaign, but yeah, we do trade off. Right. Um, Basically, this other guy and me are, are, are the, 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 the ones that usually do it. Um, How many people are in your group? Uh, they, it cycles in and out. Like, people's schedules, well, they're all Fort Hayes students, right, so you'll yeah. know. Um, you know, none of them are around right now. Yeah. Um, and then during the, during the school year, you know, depending on what's going on. Um, so, I mean, in this group where, that I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons with, um, you basically have to come up with campaigns that allow characters to come in and out. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't get a bunch of people and put them on a tiny ship and have adventures out on the sea because tomorrow one of them is not going to be there and you have to explain it again. And it strains the... I mean, you can say, well, he's in the background or he's off doing something else, but it strains the suspension of disbelief. Sure. So you Where's to- Lash Ropworthy today? Oh, yep. he's in the can. Oh, he's we sick. Have- he's- he got we- some bad rations. We have we do have this ongoing joke for a while about putting people in potato sacks and you know the there, there's movies about gamers that have sort of uh, popularized that thought and um, every once in a while we'll be like we'll get to something and we can't uh, that we you know some obstacle we can't surpass but technically these other characters are with us because mm-hmm. their players didn't show up so I'll actually like make this a uh, sign of opening a potato sack reaching in and so like okay I pull out Brandon's character he has some rope on him I think oh okay and then cool. you know but you know that's that's kind of stupid how, how long do your campaigns last? I mean okay so any given my, game yeah well let's put it this way a campaign here is your quest okay right here's your quest objective mm-hmm. how long does one quest or campaign take well a session can take several hours right. and honestly a session beneath four hours is kind of you know kind of doesn't work out a lot of the time just because it, it takes, takes so at long least two to, hours to get to the point to where even you get into it points. yeah yeah um a a long running campaign i mean i am running a campaign that i've been running for about a year now really online with some of my friends from uh college mm-hmm. um and <laughs> there are you there say are, that like it was so long ago yeah, I guess so. Um, but, uh, I mean, some of my other friends from college are still in campaigns that they've been running forever. But, I mean, I mean this isn't the same quest you must go rescue the princess quest, right? It, it could be. It could really? be. Really? And because, it's taken them because, years to do this? Because it's a story. You guys need to play World of Warcraft. Well, and and here's the thing. I can get a quest done in an hour. Well, and that's fine. Your your quest is go save the princess, right? No, you mine go is more like you... go kin- kill ten boar and then come back. And then I'll tell right. you, go kill ten buzzards and then come back. Well, you go kill ten buzzards and then they tell you, well, you know what? Um, you have depleted the buzzard population, so now you need to go to this other kingdom right. and steal some buzzard eggs. And that's all part of the same arc. Right. And that's that's what these games are, is just right. a series... You know, you can break them down to a series of missions within an overarching story arc, and really a series of story arcs within one gigantic story arc that eventually either brings you yeah. full yeah, circle... this one that you've been doing really a year. Mm-hmm. Do you have an end game? I mean, is there a... 
point where it's like, okay, guys, that's it. Congratulations, you won or you lost. Well, eventually, yes, there, there is going to be an ending to this game, but there doesn't have to be. Role-playing right. games can keep on And what happens if everybody forever. dies? Well, then the game is over. This particular the, game would be over. One of the things dies. that's really weird, though, is, um, oh, God, probably 15 years ago now, I had a character who I had been playing for the better part of two years in various campaigns with the same people. Mm-hmm. And we got to a situation where it was a botched role, and it was one of those simple moments, oh, botched role, character dies. But then everybody took a moment and realized that it was DevM, and we had spent two and a half years interacting, and everybody knew DevM, and part of the story arc then became... How are people reacting to this death? I mean, the it was death of DevM. It, yeah. the, the thing dun, was, dun, dun. I mean, it was a, it was very real. It was very powerful. It was like this imaginary person that we had lived with was now gone, and you know, under the rules that we were operating, there was no way they had basically gotten to the point where he had been annihilated. The the resurrection spell had gone bad enough that there was no way to bring him back. I was going to mm-hmm. say, do people stay dead in D&D? They don't, they don't have to. There's, there's plenty of ways to bring people back from the dead. And in D&D 4th edition, like, if you get to the epic levels, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, you get powers that, you know, specifically state, you know, on, you know, when you come back from the dead, you also get these extra powers on your three oh. tries that you get to come back from the dead. Like, Yo, so you can only come back three yeah, times. Yeah, epic guys in D&D, like, you go up and you, you're fighting a monster and you're killing, like, ten gigantic monsters at once, right? It's and then slight, you finally, yeah. like, twenty of them jump on you, kill you, and you're like, well, crap, I don't want to be dead. <laughs> Power up, get back up and start killing them again. <laughs> so, do well, That's, that's yep. one of the cool things about uh, World of Warcraft is I can die ten times in a row and the only thing that happens is my armor takes more and more hit point damage yeah. until I have to go repair it. Uh, the one thing that I don't like about World of Warcraft is the... Uh, is the uh grinding gr- well grinding but also that the the uh the bad guys that you're killing they res they res so often so it's like you're so far into the maze or you're so far into the dungeon or so far into the area and you've been killing all these guys left and right and then it's time to go back out and they've all rezzed and so you've got to fight your way back out again too uh, which but, i don't like but here's the thing here's the thing about dungeons and dragons it is in fact not a video game right so presumably your game master is doing things that make sense mm-hmm. does it make sense for characters to come back to life after they get killed only under certain circumstances right if you're fighting a bunch of zombies who like Maybe you hack them apart and they like you you see their limbs like crawling towards each other to put themselves back together then that's cool but you know if you're fighting a bunch of brigands they're not just gonna spawn back to right. life for no reason right um and it's not you know I, there's a lot of sort of Somebody who comes to Dungeons and Dragons from video games can have some problems, especially if you're game mastering, because you know, in in a in a role playing game, in an actual pen and paper game, you can't walk to the edge of the world where you realize that it's just a matte painting with pixelated trees. Yeah, yeah. there, you know, there you can say to your game master, "I keep walking." Right. Well, so I want to know what is this campaign that you're running? Tell us the story of the campaign. Okay, this campaign that I'm running is actually Exalted. It's not Dungeons and Dragons. Right, it's this is by the Vampire Wolf. one, right? No, it's not Vampire. It's oh, okay. by the people who make Vampire. But this oh, is this from is the, the people ninja... that brought you Vampire. Exactly. This is the ninja game. This is the martial arts wuxia, okay. um, sort of uh, Helen Hellenistic and Eastern and manga sort of kind of put together right um, so sort of like teenage mutant ninja elf man kind of yeah 
Um, so the 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 core of Exalted is um, back in the day, the gods created the Exalted, who are just normal people given sort of a divine power um, to take down the primordials, the titans, essentially, mm-hmm. because the gods were bound to that they couldn't attack them. So the gods go up. Or the exalted come up, they kill the primordials. Some of them get put in hell. Some of them actually get killed and form the underworld. Um, and then the exalted are like, okay, we're going to rule the world. The gods fly off to heaven and everything's cool. And then um, the the lowest of the exalted um, rebel against the, the higher ones and kill them, take over the world. So the players in this game are the reborn souls of the highest exalted the solar exalted Mm -hmm. um and they're just all of a sudden they used to be normal people these divine shards come into them and they become something more and now everybody wants to kill them um there are people trying to manipulate them and they're doing all this stuff and the my game essentially these uh, sort of through circumstance these four and now five we've added a fifth player finally um people are brought together these uh for exalts um and they find themselves caught up searching for something that's called the butterfly river and they don't know what it is nobody knows what it is even their their highest mentors don't have no idea what it is and that's why they're sending them to find it Mm. eventually they find out that the butterfly river is actually a person it's a child that they're kind of have to maintain control of because they don't know what it is. They don't know what the Butterfly River does. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, all these people are trying to take the Butterfly River away from them. They have recently found out that the Butterfly River is a doomsday device. Ah. And it will actually obliterate the universe. Cool. The only way so far that the players know to get rid of the Butterfly River is to kill the child. But won't that set off the device? It won't. Oh, okay. As far as they know. You actually have to extract the device from the child and use it. Oh, okay. Save, save the cheerleader. Save the world. <laughs> actually, it's backwards. Kill the baby, save the world. I was going to say it sounded a lot like Serenity That's at first whenever I was you were describing it. But so, yeah. can, right, I just, can I just say that I don't want anyone to ever yell nerds at me again? Oh, I, I, I'm living it, I, and I don't care. And as of right now, basically, it, picture five characters... Sort of back to back against each other, holding this baby with like armies of horrible things just in rings around them, and that's oh, where that's... we left off last game. Wow, when was the last game? See, it was like a month ago because wow. people just kept, you know, actually Those one of our moments. players got in a car accident, and you know, like people are like switching jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. Actually, one of the players is Dana. Oh yeah, yeah. Those and, are the and, moments and George, that really that you really love. I remember one that keeps sticking in my head. We had a party that was nearly wiped out. We had like one character with three hit points left. Mm-hmm. And they were left behind. Basically, we just said, you know what? There's no way to get them back. They're all going to be dead. So we went back. And we were. this was actually a pre-gen. So we were running it again as a new group. And the master, the dungeon master, came up with this just amazing memory that sticks with me now. We were, you know, we were coming down a hallway. And we had no idea where we were. We were literally lost in this dungeon. And we turned a corner, and he described what we saw. And what we saw was a man holding a sword, barely able to walk, starving to death, ready to kill us, standing over the body of his five dead comrades. Cool. 
It was that last, it was my character with his three hit points who was guarding the bodies of his friends until he could find a way out. And it was just, I mean, it was a goosebump-inducing moment to see Beevil standing there with his sword, you know, practically dead. And then we found them and were able to bring, you know, bring some of them back to life to where I could actually play that character again. But it was just, you know, one of those moments where you're like, this is how people get lost in Mm role-playing. This is how you lose yourself and your identity because that moment you're just like, this is epic. This is like heroic, huge moment for this guy who doesn't exist, who sat there for weeks in a dungeon, not knowing how to get out, not knowing anything, just waiting for somebody to come so that he could get his friends out and get them rezzed. It was just an so, awesome. In other words, this you guys were playing the same game over again. Is that what it we was? were playing? We were playing the same. The, basically, we were playing the same um, little pre-generated dungeon. Right. And the characters were lost, so we started oh, over. Okay, cool. We didn't actually start over in the in the yeah, dungeon master's that, mind. It was a couple of weeks later. Yeah, yeah, cool. We like, were the, new the, people. The game master kind of tricked you. He was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, well, let's just try the dungeon all over again. Right, right. You know, pretend and, that game alternate dimension didn't actually happen, and then boom, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. your characters. Well, I it tell you what, it's, my favorite quest in World of Warcraft, and mm-hmm. I forget what it is, uh, but. It's a it's a uh, alliance. This is when I was playing on the alliance in my uh, my night elf uh, Riverdorn Rivendorn. Uh, he goes into the he goes into Desolus, which is kind of like this haunted. It's this haunted. Uh, we have no room to talk. It's this haunted okay. uh, this kind of haunted place, mm-hmm. and there's all these weird things going on, and there's skeletons running around, and you're given this quest of oh you know something strange has happened. We're looking for so and so. Can you go find this guy? And so you have to run all the way over into one of the other uh, lands. You find this clue that says okay, here's where this guy was. Maybe you're fighting some people. You have to run all the way back. Go oh yeah, I know this guy. Oh you know what? Uh, word has it that he went to this place. So you have to run all the way over to this place. And as you're gathering these clues, you find out that he was this guy was kind of actually in love with this woman and as you start getting deeper and deeper into this mystery and you're running all over the fight place trying to find clues onto this guy you find out that he eventually killed her wow. he just went nuts and just killed her and so then your final thing is you have to go up to this haunted house on the hill and you have to kill this guy and it's a great little battle, but you've built this whole story up where you've met the ghost of one of the people that he's killed. You've run through five different lands gathering the clues. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's one that I stopped doing all the other quests and said, you know what? I'm focusing on this one for the rest of the weekend or whatever it was yeah. and just ran that whole thing through the end. And I was like, wow, that was a great chain of quests mm-hmm. that built this great story. And that still sticks in my mind as one of the funnest, most fun um, quests or chains or whatever that you want to talk call it in World of Warcraft. Oh yeah, it's, and it's awesome. And, and a good and a good role playing session is like that, but better because then you actually are playing that character, and you can turn to your annoying cleric and be like, you know what? Thanks for healing me, but man, I totally hate you. After yeah. this, after this uh, quest is done, I never want to see you again. And it's like sort of character interaction that you would see in a story, that you would right, see right. in a book right. or cool. a movie that really makes it. 
Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find out more about Major Spoilers at Majorspoilers.com. You can friend us over at MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes or Podcast Alley. And really, thank you, everyone, who's putting up those wonderful comments up on iTunes. I really, and in fact, everybody really appreciates the work uh, that you do uh, to that. It really makes us feel good and helps uh, support the show. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, gripes, whatever they may be, feel free to drop us an email. You can even send an audio email by just attaching an MP3 file to your email. You can send that to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And tomorrow, our last one, episode 29 from our Crisis on Infinite podcast, we're talking our all-time favorite movies that we have to just sit down and watch. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. Defeat the man of steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. And I don't care if Spider Man's a clone. Stop spending. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.